Get your horns up. The South Florida Bulls Radio Network pregame show presented by Florida Blue begins now. Let's go! On your 24-7 home for South Florida sports. Bulls Unlimited. Right up the middle into the end zone. Touchdown, South Florida. To get you ready for today's action, here's the voice of the Bulls, Jim Lauk. Good afternoon from Memphis, Liberty Stadium today. The Bulls coming off the bye week and ready for the last four games of the regular season. Two wins away from bowl eligibility for the first time in five years. Beautiful day here in Memphis. Bright sunshine temperatures hovering around the 70-degree mark. This should be a lot of fun today as the Bulls take on one of the best teams in the American. Memphis is 6-2 overall. They're 3-1 in league play. They've won a bunch of close games, including an overtime road win against North Texas their last time out. Bulls are 4-4, four 2-2 four, two two in the league. They went through a stretch of eight games in eight weeks before finally hitting a bye week last week. They come back rested and refreshed and ready to take on this very good Memphis team. We have a busy 90 minutes coming up. The kickoff will be 2 o'clock Memphis time, 3 o'clock back home for the Bulls and the Tigers. We'll hear from the head coach, Alex Golish, also from Vice President of Athletics, Michael Kelly, offensive and defensive coordinators, and much, much more. So let's get started by heading down to Tampa with Jim Lighthall and Derek Sharp. Thank you very much, Jim, as we get set and ready for the Bulls and the Tigers this afternoon from Memphis, Tennessee. As mentioned, Jim Lighthall, Derek Sharp with you. And going to be an exciting game today, Derek. I think we're going to see a lot of offense. If you want to see points, this is probably the place to be. Oh, I disagree. It's going to be 10-7. <laughs> to 7. Or we're going up against a team that right now is on the current longest streak of 20 or more points right. in a game. So the Bulls are going to have to keep that offense going. Uh, these two teams know each other very well, obviously. 12th meeting all-time. Memphis leads the all-time series 7-4. The Bulls have lost five of the last six, including the game in 2020, which, you know, when you look back in that Jeff Scott area, that was the gut punch, I think. The one that really hurt, maybe the worst, was having a 13-point lead with a little over four minutes to go, and then the Bulls lost 34-33 that day. Actually, when you mention it, it just comes flooding back. It, you don't have to remind me of what happened. The Bulls did everything you could to not get that one extra play you needed in that last, as you said, four minutes, and they would just suffer from there. If that's one of those games where it goes the other direction, you don't know how things are going to change. Yeah. Unfortunately, it went in the wrong direction. How about this? The Bulls have played Memphis better in Memphis than they've played them here in Tampa. They're 2-3 mm -hmm. and three in Memphis. They're 1-4 and all-time in Tampa. But this is a South Florida team coming off a bye week and a, and, and a bye week that they desperately needed. We'll have some injury updates coming up a little bit later on. But, mm. boy, it's a lot cleaner-looking sheet than it's been over recent weeks, Derek. All the injury updates are, are, are positive, that is for sure. And, and absolutely not only that, but it was funny, and you'll hear this in our uh, later on in this first half hour, about how they were able to actually refocus <laughs> on recruiting for just a little bit in addition to all the things, taking stock, that kind of stuff. So, uh it's it's always a good time when you can more than halfway through the season get the bye, but also get a win going into the bye. I think was pretty important. The Bulls are four and four after that win at UConn, a come from behind victory, 24-21. They have lost two of their last three though. But how about this USF team that didn't win a road game for almost four years, and now they've won two of their last three on the road. And they've got an opportunity for a third road win this season today. And no doubt it would be their most impressive if they can pull it off. We'll get more into the Memphis Tigers. This is a team that right there is in still the running for getting into the championship game. The one loss uh, that has hurt them in conference was a, a very right there in it to Tulane, which is the one ranked team in the league. All right, well, don't forget, Bulls fans, tickets remaining for the final two conference home games. You can call 1-800-GO-BULLS or visit Ticketmaster.com to secure those tickets for Temple and Charlotte, which is also Fan Appreciation Day. We're just getting underway with this opening half hour of the pregame show on Bulls Unlimited. When we come back, Joey Johnson takes us way back to this date in USF football history. <laughs> this is the pregame show. And welcome back to the pregame show for the South Florida Bulls and the Memphis Tigers this afternoon. They will kick things off at 3 o'clock at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. And that's where Joey Johnston will be roaming the sidelines throughout the course of the broadcast today. Joey, good to talk to you again. And 
Uh, I always think whenever you're in Memphis and you're standing in the Liberty Bowl, it's kind of like the old Tampa Stadium. It's it's a, it looks just like it, maybe just a little smaller version of it. Yeah, it, it is exactly like it, Jim. It was built by the same a construction firm around the same time, and it started just like Tampa Stadium did as two freestanding sides and then was filled in to give the sombrero effect. So, yeah, I am looking at this, thinking about kid games I went to when I was a kid, honestly. Uh, it uh, It is almost eerie and kind of nice, actually, because I kind of love the old Tampa Stadium because I saw so much football there and so many great memories of the University of Tampa and the Bucks and – uh, even, uh, you know, Florida State played Arizona State there one night and went to that game. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a flashback. Here's an interesting thing. In 1974, when the NFL granted the uh, franchise to Tampa Bay for the Bucks and Seattle, uh, Memphis was one of the finalists. Memphis was trying for an NFL team even back then, got dis, uh, got told no and, and re- really never, never got that professional football franchise, but it continues to be the home of the Memphis Tigers. Well, Populous is doing a renovation, by the way, of the Liberty Bowl, which is going to be done in time for the 2025 season. I think they're going to start construction as soon as this season is over. And, and Joey, we care about Populous because... Because we do. (laughs) Because they're doing the new stadium here. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, obviously uh, they're they're pretty widely circulated. They have a lot of business throughout the country. But, but yeah, it's, it's always interesting to see the work they do at other stadiums and how it might apply to uh, the stadium coming in our town uh, for the USF Bulls. Yeah, so if you care what Memphis's renovation is going to look like, you can check out their website. Some pretty cool pictures on that. Uh, to the game itself today, Joey, uh, Derek and I were talking about the, the possibility for a lot of offense. I think it's certainly on the table today. I think so. I think uh, USF's going to have to score some points to win the game. Obviously, uh, you know, it, it, I would be shocked if the winning team had less than 30 points to start with and, and maybe far more than, than 30 points. So the challenge will be to not stop. I don't think you can do that, but to slow down this Memphis offense and get them off the field on occasion. If you can do that and play a great game on offense, I think that's the formula for victory today. And, and Joey, along those same lines, both of these defenses have struggled throughout the course of the season, which lends to the narrative that the offenses should have a big day. Yeah, it does, and it's not like either team lacks defensive talent. And part of it is just the way college football goes today. It is, for the most part, I guess unless you're in Iowa, a very high-scoring game <laughs> all over the country. Unprovoked attack on Iowa there, Joe. Uh, not not an attack, just a fa- just facts, Jim. Uh, but, Iowa's uh, like, yes, know, we agree. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, like, it's weird. It's like you stop one possession and get a punt, and that decides the game. That's almost how it yeah. works sometimes in college football, which, you know, for fans of high-scoring offense, it's, it's the best. It's like last week's Memphis game, 45-42. If you like action, well, there's, there's your game. Games like that. And, and we, see, we see games like that all the time. And they used to be rarities. Now they're commonplace. Uh, you can keep up with South Florida Athletics with our 24-7 audio web stream called Bulls Unlimited. And you can listen on the TuneIn app, which you're probably doing right now. You can catch Bulls Beat with Derek Sharp on Monday morning starting at 7 a.m. The calendar has rolled over to the month of November, Joey, which means we take a look back to this month, this date, this week, in the vicinity of USF (laughs) football history. Yes, in keeping with our formula for this, we don't have the exact date, but we do have week nine. And we go back to 2002 for this one, ironically enough, against the Memphis Tigers. And the site was Raymond James Stadium, and the Bulls win it 31-28. Markwell Blackwell accounts for four touchdowns. He throws for three of them. And this is a Bulls team that uh, finished 9-2. and two. And uh, I've always said this team does not get the credit it deserves. It, it arguably was the best team in, in program history. This was the sixth uh, year of the program. The only two losses were against Oklahoma, who won, which won the Rose Bowl, and Arkansas, which played in the SEC championship game. Other than that, uh, the Bulls went 4-0 against Conference USA, its future conference. It, it was still an, an FBS independent at that time. Uh, they, they claimed a Conference USA championship and, and may have won the conference had they been in the league for that year. Uh, they, they destroyed a very good Bowling Green team uh, that was coached by Urban Meyer. And again, as I said, first they went over a top 25 opponent, yeah, I want to say. Yeah, first went over a yeah. top 25. Yeah. They finished 9-2. 
unfortunately were denied a bowl game, but that was a team that certainly deserved a bowl game and probably a conference championship. And I think it, it sort of gets lost in time, the, the, the bulls of Marquel Blackwell and Kuiko Mitchell and, and all those guys. But that was, that was one fine USF team. And on this day, approximately, back in 2002, uh, they handled the Memphis Tigers 31-28. All right, well, thank you, Joey. We'll hear from you along with Jim Lauk and Sam Barrington for the call of this game coming up at 3 o'clock this afternoon as we turn things over to Derek Sharp for Around the Horns. We go around the horns with what else is going on, and a lot is going on. Actually, right there in Memphis, the men's soccer team is going to be playing tomorrow night in the first round of the American Athletic Conference Tournament. They had to at least tie and watch the scoreboard or preferably win on Wednesday night at home in a game we had live on Bulls Unlimited. They won, which is Good because they didn't get the help they needed to make the conference tournament. With the 2-0 victory on senior night, they defeat Florida Atlantic. They will play a Memphis team that just about a week ago, they were right there with before giving up a late goal. That team, so far this season, even though they're the fifth seed for the conference tournament, they lost to each of the top four teams, all NCAA tournament teams, all by 2-1 to one score. So they've been right there. That's kind of the theme for this team all year long and hopefully they turn it around. If they win on tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, they will turn around and go into the semifinals at number one seed, SMU, which will be a tough test. We, of course, are your home for all the sports on Bulls Unlimited. We mentioned the soccer. Women's soccer saw its season come to an end Tuesday night in the quarterfinals of the AAC, but also basketball, men's and women's. And on Thursday night, we have the exhibition game with Jim and Joey on the call, a 94-49 to victory. All the newcomers, a lot of the returners, everybody was solid up and down the line. Team shot 12 for 30 on three-pointers and locked down Edward Waters. They get it going for real on this upcoming Thursday against South Carolina State. Meanwhile, the women's team will play its season opener on Monday night, and we'll have that broadcast for you live against Texas Arlington. What a weekend for volleyball. I know that Michael Kelly will be talking about this with Jim Lauk coming up from the stadium in a little bit. But volleyball went to Temple, probably needing to win both games to have full control of the division title, and they did. They won in five sets on Thursday. They had lost the first set. They were losing 23-19 in the second set. That's how close they were to being down two sets. Won it 29-27, one in five sets. Then yesterday, a straight set victory. So this upcoming week, the volleyball squad is at home against East Carolina for two. That's the team they're tied for the division title with. So obviously if they sweep them, they are in full control. Also want to shout out the women's golf team for finishing up the fall with a top four finish, top three finish, again in a big tournament in Coral Gables. They, when the rankings come out for the end of the fall, will probably be in the top 25. And Alvin Todorica of men's tennis is out in San Diego. He made it all the way to the quarterfinals of the fall championships. Great job. And actually he's playing with his doubles partner, Eric Revelius, today from the consolation bracket. Might update that for you later on. Still more to come in this first half hour on the pregame show. Sam Barrington will jump in. We'll get crazy. You're going to definitely want to hear some of the stuff in our next segment with Heard That and Joey joins Tramel Logan. That's coming up next here on Bulls Unlimited. Joey Johnson with Tramel Logan in just a couple of minutes. Then we'll get crazy with the whole gang. This is our Heard That segment where we heard up some of the best sound bites that you may or may not have heard. Get the theme. And hopefully you know that yours truly does a show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It repeats every half hour, 7 to 10, called Bulls Beat. We'll give you plenty of highlights and interviews. And then Tuesdays on the channel, Bulls Unlimited, on your TuneIn app. Bulls Speed Ahead with Michael Kelly. Always good when the man who has a little inside information drops a on-campus stadium progress report. Lots of good work being done. I think we're, we're working hard to make sure we have a, our next big update during our board of directors meeting that first week of December okay. uh, to give our, our trustees and ultimately the public a, a good uh, snapshot in terms of the path that we're heading. But uh, it's coming. It's coming well. Thursdays on the channel, Bullseye, the new coaches show. Of course, Alex Golish, we always speak to a player. Sam Barrington catches up with a former player. His chat with Kayvon Webster is epic. If you want to go to our podcast page, wherever you subscribe for podcasts, just type South Florida Bulls Radio Network. But here on the pregame show, Golish spoke about the importance of the bye from a football team perspective, but also from a Cruton perspective. It was critical for us to get out and recruit. And, and we have, we've dabbled on some Fridays getting out and recruited. I've gone out, but it was good to be able to get out without having a game on Saturday and see a bunch of the guys that are committed to us, 
see a bunch of guys that we're trying to make evaluations on because you, you blink and you're seven weeks from signing day. And so we made a bunch of decisions, so it was good to get back Sunday and, and kind of put those together. Hopefully you saw the great story that Joey Johnston wrote on GoUSFBulls.com about the real-life scare that Naquan Wright had that makes him, well, appreciate life. We actually spoke about it on Bullseye. When it was a regular day at practice, I was at 11 years old playing at Bunch Park. And just shots fired, you know what I mean? My coach was yelling, get on the ground, telling all of us to get on the ground. As I was crawling, a bullet had ricocheted off the ground and had hit a nerve in my right shoulder. As <laughs> soon as it happened, I just, just will I be able to play this week? You know what I mean? Oh, like, this I week. have a passion and a love for the game of football, and I respect the game. So I just don't want to take any moment for granted, you know what I mean? So you were 11, and instead of being scared, you were thinking, can I play? Is that right? Yes, sir. And apart from the daily shows, we also bring you some classic football games. Wanted to bring back the 2002 win against Memphis that made it 18 home victories in a row at the time, and they would win 21 in a row. Not just for some great calls by Jim Locke, but for some great commercial reads. Geisler puts the kickoff right in the same spot at about the three-yard line, and oh, what a hit! At the 14-yard line, Julian Johnson just absolutely demolished Von Webb. They're going to have to get an earth mover to get him out of the turf. He runs right through the the runner on this play. That's just huge. You can hear the crowd in the background. I felt that one all the way up here, Jim. You could win a VIP party for the upcoming Bulls versus Bowling Green game. Visit any Tampa area Publix cheese department or visit floridamilk.com for details. Ah, the power of cheese. Heard that. Now, here's Joey Johnston with Bulls defensive lineman Tramel Logan. Tramel, you guys have had some good success this year. You're 4-4 four and four in the season. Could you just tell us what you think the team is like right now, uh, what you've accomplished so far, and what, what you need to do to make this a great finish to the season? I think the teams, we had a, we had a good point right now. And, like, you know, uh, we're ready to finish off uh, November strong. So it's like... Um, we just approaching each day like with a better mentality, better process throughout the week, and things like that that prepares for Saturday. What is the key to preparing for this Memphis offense, which scores a lot of points? Always, you know, every game we go into every game to stop the run. So it's like those one of the keys, you know, create turnovers, you know, um, pursue. As long as we pursue and get the ball down, we let to play another play, and things of that nature. So yeah, that's uh, the keys for us on defense. We had talked earlier about, you know, you're a veteran here, new coaches coming in, the process of getting to know these guys and trust them. What was it like for you to get to know Coach Golish and his staff and know that you wanted to be a part of this? Um, when they first came in, like I said, like I was trying to see the vision they had going on, and I liked it. And plus they was, uh, you know, uh, trying to build a trust, knowing it's a two-way street with the players and things like that, trust and respect. So. I like how they was trying to build that and um, get this thing going. So it was a great start. What have you learned over the process since they've been here? You've had ups and downs, but you're sitting in a pretty good spot, like you mentioned at four and four. What what have you learned about what the big parts are to get you to a place like this? That from the start of the season, that's allowed you to to be in a better spot. Um, I I say like the coaches like trying to push it to be player led. You know. Uh, each um each week is growing more in that area. Um, that was a couple of um the, one of the things we lacked previous years, and like letting us be pros. So like in bad weeks, that's um basically like every week is gonna be on us on how we go about it and things of that nature. So I feel like the difference was um basically yeah us but basically them holding us accountable and him holding his staff accountable as well. So seeing that it just you know work out well. It seems like every college football season you have teams that start well in September, but maybe in November it's not the same thing, and you have teams that close fast in November. So how do you view these November games in terms of uh, this team? Is this kind of where you guys are going to make your mark and be remembered is how you play down the stretch here? Yes, sir, because it's like, um, you know, everybody can have a hard start. You know, it's about, you know, he was just saying, like, the good teams is the ones that finish, you know, finish the season in November and getting ready for December. So it's like for us to prove that we're one of them good teams, we have to finish in November. What are your ambitions beyond USF? I know you'd like to probably play some 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 ball after after USF. Mm-hmm. What do you see for yourself with that and, and for life when football is finally done for you? Yeah, um, my plan is definitely to get to the league and um, help give back and change people's lives in my community as many as possible and things of that nature.
you come to the end of the season, the season goes fast. You only got four games left. Uh, what's, what's on your mind now as far as you finishing the way you want to finish as a player? What do you want to emphasize in the last few games and in terms of what you put on the field to make sure that you feel good about Tremel Logan? Yeah, uh, my mentality coming off the bye week into these four games is just turn it up a notch, you know, finish stronger, better than I started. Um, any previous years or that I had in college, like just coming out better and stronger, creating more havoc and impact the game any way I can. That's Tramel Logan sitting down with Joey Johnston as we shift gears now in the pregame show, getting ready for South Florida and Memphis at the top of the hour, 3 o'clock, another hour of pregame coverage to come. But time to get crazy a little bit as we will now throw out outlandish, ridiculous predictions. Sometimes they come true. Well, twice they've come true out of uh, – Technically, that is very much sometimes compared to our normal flow. Uh, speaking of get crazy, who is the crazy person – in charge of credentials there at the Liberty Bowl that was giving Sam Barrington, quote, a hard time <laughs> downstairs <laughs> so that he could not get into the booth in time to be part of this segment and making him text us his get crazy prediction. Joey, how did you sneak your way in there? I don't know. I, I, I personally thought Sam was known everywhere in the country, <laughs> and I didn't think he'd ever have Same. a problem like this. So I, ho I just hope he's not – wouldn't take into a holding cell or something downstairs. I oh, hope wow. see him later. Uh, that escalated but, um, quickly, Joey. <laughs> well, I hope I'm. Ju I'm just hoping, Jim. I'm not not going to start any rumors or can anything. I ask, okay. I'm just can I hoping. Can I ask, um, uh, Joey, since you've been on the road more uh, with Sam than I have, does he ever pull the? Do you know who I am? I'm Sam Barrington thing or no? No, no, that's not his style. He he just kind of rolls in and people know who he is. In fact, now see, I, I do travel with Joey though, Joey, and Joey, Joey pulls that all the time. Obviously, right, right. obviously, before it's even necessary. <laughs> Can I take hey. your order, sir? And is it, don't you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> do you know who I am? Oh. I, I try not to go that way. Uh, that's, yeah. that's never good, actually. Uh, that's something you learn, and uh, it is what it is. There's there's stadiums that where it's difficult to do everything, anything, and there's others that that it's not the case. But I guess uh, for whatever hey. reason. Speaking yeah, of this, stadiums this and doing things, you guys did really well in the broadcast the other night with men's basketball. And was I overreacting to how beautiful the floor is at the Yingling Center now? No, it's now? nice. <laughs> it's really, really nice. Yeah, it's really cool. It's cool. Uh, Joey, let's go ahead and start with you on Get Crazy. Uh, you do have one of the two correct predictions this season. I do. I believe I'm right out of the box, right? Uh, yeah. First week, I was 1-0. I think the Does only guy ever you want to know and get crazy. I, I don't. Not that I researched that or anything, but uh, my my prediction today is I believe the Bulls will have two, not one, but two wide receivers with 100-yard games. What? One of them wow. might have the initials NS, and the other might have the initials MBS. MBS. But I'm not going <laughs> to reveal who I'm thinking here. I don't want to do that. Are you going on record with those two names? Because if it's two other names, then you don't hit. No, I am not going on record with those okay. two names. Because right. one thing I've learned to get crazy is you got to be general, <laughs> not specific. Yes, exactly. You know, right. Derek, like uh, other direction completely. Running backs, I'm going to say. Is this you or Sam? Yes, this is right. me. I'm okay. going to say that both Kelly Joyner and Michael Dukes run for at least 50 yards. And that's a big stretch Whoa. because Kelly Joyner hasn't really that, gotten many right. running attempts this that year. That is so I think unconventional. Yeah. Crazy enough. Also, yeah. Mr. They didn't get my credential downstairs. He says two turnovers on defense equating to a win. One won't happen with the out, without Sam, the other. Sam is so in the house, Derek. Sam has the headphones on. He can, he can speak Well, we've himself. got 30 seconds left yeah. in the segment, so he's going to have to wait have for to another few minutes. We can, well, we can get the background on that when, when uh, <laughs> we start the next hour. My get crazy prediction, I say we're going to have 80 points scored in this game today, and Byron Brown will account for at least 28 of them. Uh, hopefully he accounts for all 80 himself, but I don't think that's going to happen. We do have another hour wow. of pregame coverage coming up. It's the South Florida Bulls against the Memphis Tigers. Boy, I can still see J.R. Reed getting three interceptions against Memphis at Memphis. That was 20 years ago. Hopefully the Bulls do it again today. Back after this. Eight games in eight weeks. When you add in practices dating back to the first week of August, that's a lot of work. For Alex Golish and the Bulls, this year's bye week 
was well-timed. It was really good for us to, one, take a day and catch our breath a little bit. While we caught our breath, we were able to go back and look at us and reflect a little bit on, man, like who is actually making plays for us? And schematically, what are we doing well? Let's fine-tune that. What are we not doing well? Is it critical for us as we move forward? Can we just scrap and say, man, we'll worry about it in the offseason? Yeah, the body was perfect. You know what I mean? Came at the right time. Feel refreshed. Was able to hit the ground running today, get some more banging going on. I'm a guy that loves banging, though. So. Naquan Wright coming off back-to-back 100-yard rushing games agrees. A variety of things got done since the win over UConn. Rest, healing, some recruiting, and extra work on this week's very tough opponent, the Memphis Tigers. You could see the maturity. Obviously, a quarterback that's really special and is, is playing at a really high rate, a running game. And Memphis has always had an incredible running game. And then defensively, you know, I think schematically what they do is really, really sound. They play really, really hard. Their assignment sound. And they've got playmakers. It's time for the stretch drive of 2023. Four games left. Two home, two road. Four wins already in the bank. Two more, and it's bowl time for the first time since 2018. But don't talk to the Bulls about that. Talk to them about Memphis. The next game is the only game for South Florida. From Liberty Stadium, it's the Bulls and the Memphis Tigers next. This is the South Florida Bulls Radio Network pregame show. Presented by Florida Blue. Rolling to the right. Keeps it, runs it. He's got the first down and more. Breaks the tackle. He's going all the way. Touchdown, South Florida. We're 60 minutes from kickoff. To get you ready for today's action, you'll hear from former Bulls linebacker Sam Barrington, Vice President of Athletics Michael Kelly, Offensive and Defensive Coordinators Joel Gordon and Todd Orlando. We'll tell you how the Bulls can make victory possible with USF Health. And, of course, get the final pregame thoughts from head coach Alex Golish. Back of the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Bulls take the lead. To kick things off, here's the voice of the Bulls, Jim Lauk on 102.5 The Bulls. A beautiful day in Memphis. Sunny skies, temperatures around the 70-degree mark as we get set for the Bulls and the Memphis Tigers at Liberty Stadium. Bulls coming off their bye week, as you heard. They're 4-4 four and four overall. Memphis had an overtime thriller on the road against North Texas last week, winning 45-42. to 42. This is a veteran Memphis team, experience in all areas, and they will be a tough challenge for the Bulls today. Memphis is now bowl eligible for the 10th straight year, one of only 12 teams in the nation to accomplish that. Sam Barrington joins us as we get ready for broadcast. Sam, this was a long haul to get to the bye week for this South Florida team. They had some juice in the tank late in the game in Hartford a couple of weeks ago, but it seemed like a well-timed week away from competition. They got a chance to rest up, and it felt like they really needed it. Yeah, sure, Jim. I mean, you always want the bye week to come at a time where your team needs it and not too early. I never understand where you look at a team and you see the bye week in week three, week four, and I'm, I'd, I'd, I'd hate to be in that position because typically, and every team is different, but typically a team fatigues throughout the season and needs the pivot point, whether it's a short week that gives you a long week uh, you know, or where you're in a situation, you, you have a, a Saturday morning game and then, you know, the following week you get to skip and then you have a Thursday game or whatever the case may be. But I think this bye week came at a perfect time for this team. And you've seen so many different position groups get more healthy, the running back room, the offensive line room, where they're going to have their full offensive line unit for one of the first times this year. And that's going to be very important against this Memphis team who do, does a lot of good things on defense. And you always talk, you always hear you know, Coach Golish just talking about how important it is for this team to continue to fight and for t- continue to fight all throughout the game. And they did it against UConn last week. And the thing about it is this Memphis team is not one of those teams where you want to get down and you want to find yourself fighting in the late 
third and fourth quarter against. You want to duel this team throughout the entirety of the game, and I think that's what USF has to do today to be a contender here in Memphis. Such a veteran Memphis team, Sam. They just don't make a lot of mistakes. They're over 90% in the red zone in scoring, almost 80% in red zone touchdowns. Got to be on your toes start to finish in this one against this Tigers team. I certainly agree, and we talked about it a few weeks ago, Jim. We said, who's going to step up and be the leader? And I think I said it, and maybe it was a few plays later, Mac Harris made a pretty phenomenal play, and I think he forced a fumble or a recovered a fumble. And you're just going to need to see guys like that today where it's like, hey, you may not be the vocal guy, but who's going to lead by example and make plays for this team when it matters? And how do you get that done? It doesn't take a supernatural effort. All it takes is you just doing – what you're assigned to do, playing assignment football, playing disciplined football, because Memphis is going to give uh, USF some opportunities to make plays today. Although they have a very disciplined player, a very talented player at the quarterback position, USF just needs to be ready for those opportunities when they come. Bulls and Tigers coming up. Pre-game show continues from Tampa with Jim Lighthall and Derek Sharp after the break. Welcome back to the pre-game show. Jim Lighthall, Derek Sharp with you inside Vice President of Athletics Michael Kelly's conference room is our home away for home, from home for post or for uh, road games for the USF Bulls. Getting ready to take on Memphis at the top of the hour, 3 o'clock today. I like how you claimed it because we kind of have, and I always, just to be on the record, ask Michael for permission. He yeah. says, no problem. No problem. As long as we leave it how we got here. Well, yeah, I think a, another trip or two here we'll start redecorating. Yeah, of course. Because I think it's squatter's rights, really. Uh, but we're not to that point yet. Let me put these uh, renderings of the new yeah, football stadium. I do like away. looking at the renderings every time we come yes. here. Oh, wow. <laughs> Derek, uh, we'll get to uh, offensive coordinator Joel Gordon coming up in just a moment. Also our Florida Lottery game outlook. But uh, we do have some injury news as the Bulls are coming off of a bye week and they look much healthier than they did the last few weeks of the season. It is tremendous, and really there were just a few players that were shaken up, uh, especially on the offensive line. Kilfoyle's back and good to go. The whole offensive line is healthy. Uh, the one player that is under the radar injured is K1 Powell, so you might see a little bit more of Kelly Joyner at running back today, a little bit more of Michael Dukes. Who knows, maybe those guys have a bigger part of the offense. Not that Naquan Wright hasn't been doing it well on doing his own. Doing the heavy lifting, yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. All right, Florida Lottery game outlook. This is when we kind of look into the uh, X's and O's a little bit. And let's start with the offenses because it's kind of been the theme so far in this pregame show that we're expected to see a lot. Uh, number one and number two in total offense square off today. We're talking about number one, Byron Brown, averages 304 yards per game against Memphis quarterback Seth Hennigan, who's number two at 295. Both of these guys can do it, but they kind of do it in different ways. Oh, absolutely. Hennigan's more of a drop-back guy, but also such a poised guy. Knows that offense so well. Was really clutched last week. It was a high-scoring game against North Texas. They had the 31-10 lead at the halftime North Texas, which the home team scores with 45 seconds to go. All Hennigan does is go out and go 5-for-5 five for, five for a 76-yard uh, touchdown drive. And, and a very poised guy. As we know, Byron Brown can beat you in many different ways. Um, and one other thing about Hennigan, uh, his touchdowns are, are great again this season. He threw for 3,000 yards as a freshman. And then again as a sophomore, he's on pace to do it again. But his interceptions are up a little bit mm -hmm. this year than they have been in years past. It's something to keep an eye on as the game goes on. For USF, Two or fewer turnovers in the game, they're 3-1 and one on the season. That's just one of those type things that gets lost in the course of a game, in the course of a season. But listen, you take care of the football, you can typically win your football games. And some of them have been on the unforced level. You know, we almost forget, you know, when, when you lose the ball, it's all you think about. When you get it, it's almost one of those take-for-granted things. That fumble that was recovered, uh, forced by Matt Harris at the end of the game uh -huh. uh, against UConn was pretty important at the time because yeah. you didn't know how that was going to end up. Memphis, by the way, you mentioned this at the very top of the broadcast, 20 points or more in 22 straight games. That's the longest active streak in the nation. You are more than likely going to have to outscore them today because uh, they are not going to be held down. On the defensive side, speaking of those turnovers, the Bulls forced four of them at UConn, one of the key reasons why they came back and won that game. And uh, also, we, as we were talking about the injuries, you know, D.J. Gordon had been out for uh, the UConn game. Amaris Brown-Bunkley, uh, he's also been broken up a little bit here and there, but he's ready to go today. I think that's a key addition in the defensive backfield. No doubt. They have really been, and Tavon Ward's been coming in and doing a great job out of necessity. So you would really have your 
prefer to have, especially against this throwing attack, your frontline guys ready to go. And finally, for the first time in a while, I think the Bulls do. For the Memphis defense, they're sixth in the country in fumbles recovered. They've got eight of those, so <laughs> they will turn you over. But they're way down middle of the pack, even further down middle of the pack, um, in total defense. They give up almost 400 yards a game. And North Texas got 600 yards nearly against them. Uh, intangibles, how about USF getting those explosive plays back? This was something that they were doing early in the season, Derek, and kind of dropped off in the middle part of the year. But uh, they are now averaging 10 of those. And we're talking about 15 yards or more as an explosive play, but now averaging 10 over the last three games. When you struggle a little bit on third downs, when your ground game's not going, you have to have a splash play here and there because it's so tough to go all the way down the field. And Naquan Wright actually has contributed some of those splash plays, if you look at it, with a uh, couple 40-yard runs. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, also, Memphis hasn't lost this season when scoring first. Bum, bum, bum. A we'll see what, now. Yeah, we'll see what happens uh, on the opening possession. I would think if they win the coin toss, they're going to take the football uh, and, and try and get going on offense. All right, uh, again, top of the hour. We will kick things off between South Florida and Memphis. Derek has a chance to sit down with offensive coordinator Joel Gordon, though. Great to see Joel Gordon again as we head to a big challenge for the Bulls today. We'll get into it in just a little bit. Coach, I know we last left off talking about how you want to go into the bye week on an uptick, and it didn't look necessarily like it was heading that direction. What changed there in the fourth quarter, whatever it was, good job. Yeah, you know, I think our focus changed. You know, we uh, we weren't as focused as we needed to be, you know, for three quarters, whatever whatever that reason is. You know, it, it wound up in the same result, not getting points, not getting enough first downs um, to be consistent. So our guys found a way, and you give them the credit to, you know, struggle and then get to the fourth quarter and realize what was at stake and what was going on. Um, and they found a way to play really good defense, and we found a way to drive the football and get into the end zone, and the end result is exactly what you wanted. Um, how it got there, man, it was uh, <laughs> it was a struggle at times. But at the end of the day, like the bottom line is we found a way to win the game, and we did. One guy we haven't talked about, I don't believe anyway, is Weston Wolf. He made a big catch on a great throw by Byram. So I've noticed he's been more of a target lately. Yeah, you know, it, maybe it shows up as of late, you know, that he's had maybe the ball come his way a little bit more. But he's been a guy that we've really trusted, you know, from week one. And sometimes those targets and those catches, you know, they just don't develop in a game for, for whatever reason. But uh, he's been a guy that's been consistent. He's getting better every single week, and he's got a long way to go, which tells us, man, he's got a chance to be a really good player. So that catch in particular and the throw from Byram and the protection, man, those, those guys, man, maybe the play of the game, you know, for us to, to move the sticks. and created so much momentum um, for the rest of the football game, but it was a huge catch. We talked on the coaching show with Alex about uh, the end of game in that specific situation, and he's got it down to the T. You know, when do you have a chance at victory formation? When do you consider a field goal? Or do you get clever with the play calling? Uh, what's it like down on the field when you're in that sort of in-between zone? You guys are trying to just milk it as much as you could. Yeah. It's a uh, – <laughs> it's – sometimes it's a really uh, – it's a tough situation because – how much time is on the clock, how many timeouts they have, right. you're forced to be really good on offense and get first downs against a defense that is really ha having an opportunity to probably load the box and play the run when you don't really want to throw it because the chance of stopping the clock really puts you at a disadvantage overall. So they know you're going to try to run it. We know we're going to have to try to get ourselves in the best runs, you know, you know, for a heavy box or whatever that is. And you're just trying to grind out first down. So, man, it, it tests your, your will and it tests, you know, how well you're prepared for that situation. But it was, uh, it was something that we had definitely talked about a lot going into the game. So it wasn't something that we didn't have a plan for. And I thought our guys did a really good job of milking the clock, getting us to a fourth down situation. And, man, you wish we could get it and end the game, but we didn't. Our defense did a great job getting a stop. I'll take that situation if you give me it right now as far as today goes. But I want to talk about the bye week. And I know we mentioned that coaches get a chance to speak to each other about what's going well, what's going not, maybe ditching some of the stuff that's not. Talk about the things that are going well and sort of the evaluation process. Yeah, you know, that's uh, the, the bye week does give you a chance to kind of look in the mirror little bit you know maybe a little bit longer than what you do you know when you're playing eight games in a row but I will say coach Golish has done a really good job every single week with us 
man, we self-scout ourselves every single week. So, we, you know, hopefully, and I don't think we really got to the point last week where we're like, oh, my goodness, you know, we've only done this here, only done that there. But it gives you, it, it affords you a little bit of time to think about it more as a coach and really for your players mm. to kind of have an understanding of maybe what they've been doing as an individual that they've got to change, you know, and moving forward for the last month. Healing up, I'm guessing the offensive line might have been the number one area you wanted to see get that extra week, and how are they looking? <laughs> yeah, 100%, man. Um, it, it, it really came at a great time for everybody. Those guys needed it, and we got back out on the practice field. And, uh, man, I'm excited to have some of those guys back out there competing, and more than anything they're excited to be back on the field so man, really really excited that the week happened when it did for sure and then last thing today memphis offense you know if you watch what they did last week alone was impressive but overall they're so tremendous does that kind of get you juiced up and your your unit juiced up to try and match them and surpass them yeah you know our we, we try not to you know get too worried about you know the other team but they're a good football team. They're good on offense. They're good on defense. And they play good complementary football. And our, our guys know it's going to be a great challenge. So we know we're going, to have to, we're going to have to play our best to go out here and be able to execute, get points on the board, and go compete. And we, we know we're capable of doing that. Let's get it done. Thanks a lot, Coach. Thank you. Always appreciate the time that Coach Gordon gives us. Always appreciate Michael Kelly stopping by. He'll be speaking with Jim Lauk, and you'll hear it live when we come back on the South Florida Bulls Radio Network. Kickoff a little bit after 3 o'clock Tampa time today for the Bulls and the Memphis Tigers. Vice President of Athletics Michael Kelly down on the field watching the warm-ups. Michael, we got our feet wet with another year of men's basketball. Pretty fun crowd and a good atmosphere in that exhibition win over Edward Waters, and here we are underway. Yeah, the crossover season is upon us with all the sports kind of coming to a conclusion in the fall and men's and women's basketball getting started. So really good good crowd at our exhibition opener, and now we have uh, our women real regular season opener on Monday and men go at it for real on Thursday. But I was impressed with, uh, with our team. They played hard, played well, moved the ball well, and I think it's an exciting brand of basketball that Bulls can look forward to, not to mention brand new playing surface, brand new concourse flooring, brand new lighting, just a lot of fan amenities, a lot of player amenities that make the Yangling Center even better than ever. New floor looked great and a lot of other things as you explore the Yingling Center this year that uh, you will definitely enjoy as the regular season gets started next week. Michael, here we are in the first week of November and we're talking about the possibility of a volleyball conference championship. What a turnaround for this program. Tremendous turnaround. Obviously, we started off the season, as we remember, with two top-ranked, uh, you know, top-20 opponents that got us uh, in the mindset of playing really good opponents. And now we've drifted into conference play, still having a really strong record coming off a sweep now in Philadelphia against Temple, right knotted up with ECU in first place in the Eastern Division. So they're, they're at home next uh, next week uh, at USF, and let's uh, playing ECU directly for the first place. So let's turn out for our women's volleyball team. They're right in the midst of it, and. As you said, a great turnaround for Coach uh, Shepherdson and her staff. We don't talk enough about men's and women's golf programs here. They have both uh, had outstanding falls, and uh, they have both become consistently successful programs in this department. Really, really good falls for both golf programs. Our, our men actually in their first tournament this year, eh, Steve was kind of disappointed in it, and then they come back and win back-to-back -back tournaments, which is hard to win any golf tournament with that many fields and particularly strong fields that we played in and our women in essence went 41 and 6 over the fall tournaments they played in uh, played extremely well uh, Melanie Green's won back-to-back -back offer of the month for the conference uh, both teams I expect when the rankings come out for the first time here in a couple weeks will be in the top 30 uh, just really great fall strong fall performances and I know both teams are really excited about what they can do in the spring getting ready for that conference tournament I know the football fan base is counting wins at this point uh, in hopes of making it to a bowl game. It's early. There's four more regular season games to go, obviously. But are you in touch with any of the, of the bowl games and their personnel at this point, or is it too early? It's a little too early. I have been in touch with them. I mean, in our situation, obviously, the our champion will be in the running for uh, a New Year's Six game, uh, so that's certainly 
selected by the college football playoff selection committee. Uh, the next bowl that's involved is the military bowl, which operates independently, played up at uh, Navy Marine Corps Stadium, but the bowl activities take place in Washington, so I've certainly been in touch with Steve Beck, and then really all the rest of the bowls we could possibly be there if we earn the right to be in them are all owned by ESPN, and there's about nine or ten different uh, bowl games that are options in that regard, and, and there's one gentleman by the name of Clint Overby who oversees all ESPN events that will be the ultimate decision maker as it relates to where we could go if we if we are in our way. So in the meantime, we'll, as Coach Golish said in his press conference, we'll take one week at a time. Let's start here with the Memphis and try to get an important win here, not just for bowl eligibility, but hey, we win this game today, have a chance to obviously tie Memphis in record on, in the conference and then have the tiebreaker. So still a lot of stake here and we're excited with the uh, four games left ahead. Liberty Stadium always brings back memories of the old Sombrero in Tampa Stadium and those first nine home games the Bulls played in that facility in 1997 and 98. They're on the books here for a major renovation overseen by Populous. Are you uh, kind of talking with them a little bit to get some thoughts on, on what they're going to do here? <laughs> I haven't talked that much at all about the Memphis project. Obviously, we're most concerned with them on doing the great job for us on our operations building and our stadium, which I'm sure they'll continue to do. Um, you know, but it is neat to come come back here. It uh, uh, looks like, this, you know, like you said, just almost the same design as the sombrero. I know Joey uh, is getting all Joey Johnson's getting all nostalgic here because <laughs> of uh, his days covering the, the early Bucks. But uh, you know, they need it. It's important for their program. It's important for their fans to kind of have a uh, you know a facelift. Obviously, we stopped playing in this facility in 1997, basic or 98, and moved into a new place. It's been Super Bowl caliber, and now we're obviously getting ready to build our own place on campus. So. Uh, like many schools, we're both looking to improve our facilities, and I'm just really excited about what we're going to be doing here in the years ahead. Exciting stuff. A lot going on. Thank you, Michael. Enjoy the game today. Thank you, everyone, and go Bulls. Vice President of Athletics, Michael Kelly. Both teams out on the field warming up. The Bulls will be wearing white helmets, white jerseys, and green pants, gray jerseys with blue trim, for the homestanding Memphis Tigers. Stay with us, more to come after this timeout. Just about 30 minutes away from kickoff between South Florida and Memphis on this Saturday afternoon. Jim Whitehall back with you. Don't forget to follow the South Florida Radio Network on Twitter. Search at Bulls Unlimited to follow. Let's get you back to Liberty uh, to, uh, well, let's just get you back to Memphis, all right? Joey and Sam to mingle a little bit. What's Sam thinking, by the way? That's the question I have every week, Jim. This is my weekly pilgrimage to the mountaintop and seeking knowledge, advice, and truth. And we welcome in Sam Barrington. Sam, Memphis won last week 45-42. to 42. That's not a big deal anymore. We see that score a lot. I know it wasn't that long ago that you played college football, but it seems like if you get a couple of punts, that's a good defensive game these days. How has things how have things changed in your mind in terms of defense and just what offenses are doing, putting up these numbers, and how defenses view them in terms of what makes a good defensive game? <laughs> Joey, that's an amazing question. And, and the thing is, is I appreciate you saying it wasn't that long ago because 10 years for anything except when you're talking about dinosaurs, right? 10 years is a long time, man. And so I'm getting up there, and it feels great. Um, I think offenses have the advantage in today's game. Um, I can't necessarily pinpoint why, but offenses are just becoming tirelessly, and I mean, not necessarily tirelessly, but very difficult to contain. And so I think teams from a holistic standpoint are looking at how to win the time of possession battle and how to just get one more possession and get turnovers because offenses are getting to the point where you can't contain them. And in Memphis, when you have a guy who's playing well as Memphis's quarterback, you just got to find a way to slow this guy down or contain him because the whole thought of getting these guys to a point where they're not productive, it doesn't exist in today's game when you have quarterbacks like this uh, young man who's throwing the ball for Memphis. You know, back in the day, uh, it was great pride for a defense if you could get a shutout or if you could hold somebody under 300 yards. And it just seems like those things are almost maybe not impossible, but we hardly ever see them. So is there a numerical standard for defensive players or is it just win the game however you have to win it? 
Yeah, great, you know, great point. I think defenses are looking at it these days where it's like, how many turnovers can we get? Because we know data supports, hey, you get three more turn, turn, turnovers, it's, it, it, it turns the game in your favor significantly, right? How many explosive plays can you limit the offensive to? How many times can you keep them uh, to punt the ball right on their side of the 50, out of the black zone, things like that. So teams are counting things like that more than they are yards because more data is becoming available for them to kind of compare and analyze and say this factor, this factor, this data set is contributory to the win or the lost column. So if memory serves correctly, your career, your four seasons at USF, you had two seasons where you played in a bowl game and two seasons when you did not. So this USF team, uh, with four games remaining, if they can win two of them, they will be bowl eligible and get that opportunity. When you think back to when you played, what did it mean to you as a player to go to a bowl game, and what was it like on the years when you didn't in terms of how it affected you, how it affected the program yeah. moving forward? Well, it was miserable when we didn't, right? And, um, you know, the thing is, is you start the season, you know, obviously you want to go undefeated. You lose that one game, all right, you want to you want to win out or you want to win the conference, right? When you get to a point where you can't necessarily win the conference, it's like, hey, let's, let's win out. And then things happen, you don't necessarily win out or whatever the case may be. It's like at least become bowl eligible because there's a financial benefit for the, for the university and then there's that sense of pride where it's like you go out and you, let's say you don't have a great season but you win a bowl game against a non-conference opponent. It's something to brag about and it sends you into the offseason with a feeling, with a really good feeling in your heart. And so I think that's what USF has less left to accomplish. But still, right, and I don't know the entire schedule of other teams in the conference, right? But if they went out, there may be an argument that this team may have an opportunity to contend for the conference title at the end of the season. So everything that they want outside of being undefeated is still out in front of this team uh, to an extent. One more, Sam. We, we see it happen now almost every year in college football. We see teams get off to these incredible starts in September. And then in November, it's a different team. They're, they're struggling to win, vice versa. We see teams slow out of the box and they finished fast in November. And obviously we always remember the November games, the, the teams that finished fast. What is the key to being a good November team? Right, I think that's where leaders separate themselves. And you guys are gonna continue to hear me talk about leadership um, um, throughout the, you know, as we close out this season. But this is where leaders are born because who's gonna be there when things get tough Right, when everybody has some small thing that's bothering them from an injury standpoint, right, where you have guys who maybe maybe not returning this season, or you know, you got guys who will start to, to separate themselves from a talent standpoint, or you got guys who may have started out on the practice team at the start of the season that are now uh, fighting for a lineup, right? Mac Harris is a guy that we should really keep our eyes on. He's playing his last few games at the University of South Florida. He's been here through the tough times. He's going to get an opportunity to play a ton of football today. So those are guys, right, when you get into November football and you start to approach December and bowl season, look for guys that are starting to separate themselves. I think it all comes down to leadership. This team is healthy, so they'll have an opportunity over these next four games to separate themselves in this conference. Sam, thank you as always, guys. That's what Sam's thinking. All right, thank you, Joey. Thank you, Sam. And uh, a guy who's got his work cut out for him today, Todd Orlando, defensive coordinator, sat down with Derek Sharp this week. Great to see Todd Orlando again as we get set for the Bulls and Memphis Tigers. I know, Coach, you were hoping for a better outcome, an effort from your defense. You got it against UConn. What did you like? Well, I liked the way that we finished the game. I thought, we, you know, early turnovers uh, really helped us set up field position for our offense. We're able to get off the field um, uh, pretty well on the first half of the game on, on third down, which end up flipping the field for our offense. And then the way that we finish, you know, Mac makes a, a great play to get the ball out. And then I think that's the coolest thing in football was when you had the defense out there for the last couple of plays and they were able to finish it up. So it was uh, it was a gritty win, took it into the fourth quarter. We had uh, opportunities to make plays and we made them and we were able to close the game up. I'm glad you mentioned Matt because that's a guy that I'm a, a big fan of and he's had to sort of bide his time. He's been here for a while. He's fought through injuries. I'm sure you enjoyed seeing him uh, prosper. Yeah, well, it's good. You know, you know he's, uh, he's really attentive in meetings. Uh, he does things exactly the way we asked him to do. Um, he really loves football. He's a really good teammate. I think he does a really good job with our guys communicating. And um, 
it didn't really surprise me that he was going to play well. I thought he practiced extremely well. Um, but I, you know, sometimes when you have limited reps and you kind of get into the spotlight, whether you shine or not, is kind of like how confident you are. And I thought he played really confident. And obviously, the in that last series, uh, you know, getting that critical uh, turnover was a huge play in the game. Got to ask you because I know the players got a few days off. Uh, was Coach Gullish of the mindset of okay, guys, coaches, I'm talking about take a half a day or was it recruit recruit it was recruit 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 we have to i mean it's the lifeblood of any program but um you know we're on some really really good guys but it's a great opportunity you know it's very competitive when you get on the road in december when everybody's out on the road um you know working on uh right before bowl games and uh, to have a chance to go out there for three days get out there meet coaches watch uh, some prospects practice it's a it's a huge thing for us so we were all out for three days even rolling into saturday had an opportunity came back on sunday and had you know a really long uh, recruiting meeting to go through everybody that we saw so we uh you know it was very very productive to have a chance to get out on the road awesome you toss in the phrase bowl games and i know it's something that we media talk about but do you guys see that as a possibility and something that would be a big deal yeah i think at this point right now uh playing meaningful games in november is different but i think you just got to be careful uh, we haven't had a ton of success around here and i think once you start looking ahead you know, you don't look where you're at right now. So our main focus is is Memphis, you know, going into this game. Um, we've had a couple of weeks to prepare for them. Um, we just wouldn't need to go out there and execute the way that we can execute and just worry about them. And I'll ask you about Memphis. My last question, but next to last, as far as healing up body-wise, I know secondary a little bit banged up. How did the bye week yeah, benefit? It's, yeah, it's, it's big for us. I mean, we were I mean, we were kind of wobbling home in the, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. So they needed the physical break, and I think everybody needed the mental break, you know, get a chance to get away for a little bit. I think it was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, get a chance to get, you know, see their, their families. <laughs> Uh, just freshen up it's amazing when you come back on the field and it's you know if if you're in this profession or if you're actually like any part of like high level like college football boy you know just getting away for a little bit you know when you come back and see all your friends all the guys you hang out with but just to be freshened up mentally I think there's a physical aspect which everybody sees in terms of injuries which is important but the mental part of going for three straight months uh, being on schedule because everybody forgets about the things that these kids have to do outside of football. We asked, we're very demanding in terms of accountability and we're very demanding in terms of uh, doing well in the classroom. So it can be a major strain. So I thought it was, you know, it's a little bit past the time that you really wanted it, but I think with the, the kids took full advantage of it. You can see that during practice this week. And all those are great points. At the same time, they have to be back to where they left off because of today's opponent, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, Memphis is a really good team uh, playing them at their place, so an extremely tough place to play. Uh, they've got experience, you know, quarterback that uh, is knows their system inside. Now it's, uh, you know, tailbacks, receivers, skill guys, and up front, they're, they're really good too. So uh, our kids know the challenge that's ahead of them and, uh, you know, really good opportunity to us uh, to go on the road and, and prove – um, that we can go out there and we can we can win against a very good football team. That's defensive coordinator Todd Orlando. Appreciate his time as always. Jim Lighthall with Joey Johnston next. We'll tell you what the Bulls need to do to make victory possible. Presented by USF Health. Welcome back to the pregame show. Closing in on the kickoff between the South Florida Bulls and the Memphis Tigers from the Liberty Bowl today. Making victory possible. Presented by USF Health. Ranked as the nation's fastest rising medical school for research and primary care over the past decade by U.S. News and World Report. I'm Jim Lighthall. Joey Johnston joins me from Memphis as we dive into these keys to the game. Joey, uh, these are keys that you put up on Go USF Bulls as well. So these are basically your words, but I really love number one, keep feeding Naquan Wright. Yeah, why not? The guy is red hot. We all know how runners can be when they get a rhythm and they, and they get comfortable, and Naquan is feeling it with two straight 100-yard games, and he was maybe the MVP of the game uh, two weeks ago at UConn. He got 26 carries, 186 yards. He definitely needs to be able to tw- be above the 20 carry mark, in my opinion, uh, maybe even 25 to 30. But he is a guy that wants the ball. He has shown he can be productive. It's really simple. Just keep giving him the ball. The 186 yards, by the way, best by an American Conference back this season. Let's stay on the offensive side, and that offensive line, which is getting healthier for this game today, going to have to protect Byron Brown. Yeah, that's been a priority all season, and it's been kind of a shaky part of the the offense. Uh, 33 sacks 
so far for USF quarterbacks, which is far too many for eight games. Now, it, it really improved at UConn, only one sack of Byron Brown, and Byron did a really good job of staying in the pocket and not taking off so quickly to get yardage. So it looks, if you base it on just that one sample size game, it looks like the uh, protection really improved. We'll see if that can continue today. And Joey, on the defensive side, you want them to bend but not break, and then maybe get a takeaway or two. Yeah, you know, uh, Memphis is going to get yards. Let's not uh, pretend they won't, and they're going to make some plays. But what you don't want to do is give up these crippling, explosive plays where Memphis scores from their side of the field uh, with, with deep runs or deep passes. You want to make them earn the yardage with long drives if, if they are going to get those yardage. Uh, so uh, don't make it easy for Memphis. USF's defense has been burned a lot the last three games uh, with some long touchdown uh, plays. And, uh, the, and one way to do it uh, be, besides just stopping them outright is to take the ball away. And we saw how valuable that could be at UConn. The Bulls had four takeaways, including the forced fumble by Matt Karras and the recovery by Daquan Evans that, that sealed the game. So if the Bulls can get three or four takeaways, that's a formula for winning this game. Well, that's how the, the uh, Bulls can make victory possible. Joey, thank you. Joey will be working the sidelines today with Jim Lauk and Sam Barrington at 3 o'clock for the South Florida Bulls and the Memphis Tigers. When we come back, we'll hear from Alex Golish. He sits down with Jim Lauk. That'll do it for us here in Tampa on the pregame show. This is the South Florida Bulls Radio Network. The Liberty Bowl in Memphis this week. Bulls and the Memphis Tigers about to kick off. Head coach Alex Golis joins us. Coach, coming off the bye week, players had a chance to rest and heal, had a chance to get some extra work in, preparing for a very good Memphis team. Coaches got a chance to do a little recruiting. Seemed like a very productive time period. Yeah, I think a reset in a lot of ways. You know, we, we had gone for so long you know from a football sense eight weeks but we got started right at the end of July so it's really been man a solid three and a half months of every day and uh and so I think a reset not necessarily from a time off standpoint but from a let us look at what we're doing let us look at what what has worked what hasn't be able to be really really um decisive in where we want to go these next four weeks schematically personnel wise certainly gave the players an opportunity to get healthy we needed the week we got a couple of key pieces back and then like you said we got out on the road and saw a bunch of our committed guys um, a bunch of guys we had to go make decisions on that we had been waiting to go see and uh, so I think really really productive um, certainly got us got a, a chance to get ahead on Memphis um, you took advantage of that time as well um, but at the end of the day, you, you got to play like you had time to get ahead. And so that's the challenge to us today is using that time to, to our advantage. When you had a chance to kind of catch your breath and review the first eight games, was there anything that jumped out at you as a surprise of, you know, hey, I didn't even see this until now? You know, I, I think, I don't know if surprise or not, uh, you know, we, we've had spurts throughout the season where we've played complementary football for, for what we needed to get done in terms of all three phases, playing well, complementing each other. Uh, you know, even you think offensively having an opportunity to punt and feel good about it. Defensively creating a turnover and then scoring off of it. There have been very few of those. It's been very up and down. Um, so... The key to the whole thing is, is when you look at it, it's we've picked our our times to play, be inconsistent in a certain area. Again, going back to it is keeping it simple, letting our guys go really, really fast. I think when we've done that, we we've played our best football. I'm gonna guess for the next four games, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm I'm feeling like two key words for these final four games: consistency and execution would that be accurate yeah I, I think the execution part I, I totally agree on um, consistency is, is what every program in the country is seeking right is is to know exactly what you're getting every week I think for us it's a consistent effort in in how we play not necessarily how hard we play but effort in terms of understanding what's going on therefore being able to play really really fast 
I think when you get into the meat of a season, you 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 want to keep doing more, and you say, man, there, it's week five, it's six, it's seven. Our kids should know this, and you look back at it, and you're like, man, like like maybe they don't know it as well as we they need to. You know, they're they're still in year one, and in year one, if you could play with great effort and and have a great attitude going into every single game, and know what's going on schematically, you give yourself a chance to win. I think that's what I mean by by those two words for us you know it's it's effort in the sense that our guys know what's going on so they can play fast and execution for sure you know being able to pitch and catch the football being able to get off blocks being able to block tackling all the little things that that make you a good football team can't be in spurts it's got to happen consistently for us Memphis today, this is a veteran team, experienced guys everywhere. They're double tough playing at home, don't make a lot of mistakes. You look at things like their red zone scoring percentage, and it's tremendous. This team uh, provides a lot of challenges today. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a program that, that's kind of been through what we've had to go through through the first eight weeks. They've been through the tough. They they've made it out on the other side and and so they're playing good football starts with the quarterback uh they're really consistent offensively very complimentary offensively they run it they can throw it they take deep shots um i think anytime you can run the football you can get a quarterback in rhythm because he's in rhythm uh you know defensively like you said that really really sound um a bunch of older guys that have played a bunch of football they don't beat themselves uh, they know schematically they're in year two of a defense and schematically they're really confident in what they do. Uh, so for us, you know, do we have to play completely flawless football? No, but we've got to play really, really good football and we've got to take advantage of the chances we get. So we've got to take what they give us on both sides of the ball, but we've got to take advantage when the ball's in the air. We've got to create some turnovers. Offensively, we've got to be able to run the ball, not turn it over and finish in the red zone. Psychologically, how important was it to hit this bye week coming off success in that road game at UConn? That had to be a great feeling coming from behind, wrapping that up and then knowing you had a little bit of time before the next one. Yeah, I I really feel like we've had so many situations throughout the season that you can learn and grow from. It's certainly easier to learn and grow from a win. Um, You you can stomach that feeling certainly so much better through a week off, but you know, I, I think every week presents such unique challenges. Every, I feel like every situation we've been in has been the first time, you know, and, and we're so young as a football team and so young in, in both our success and our failures. There's so many new guys. So every week you're learning something new about your program. You're teaching so much every single week, but certainly a lot easier after a win and certainly a, a way better feeling, if nothing else, to go out and recruit off of. And so as much progress as we've shown, I think being humble in our approach to this game and saying, man, like we're playing a really good football team, but at times we are a really good football team. That fourth quarter of the UConn game, we were a really good football team. So having the confidence you need to go execute, now you got to go execute. Coach, thanks. Have a great afternoon. We'll look forward to it today in Memphis. Thank you. Go Bulls. Head coach of the Bulls, Alex Golish, stay with us. Kickoff coming up, the Bulls and the Tigers next on the South Florida Bulls Radio Network.